One of the things I always thought that was fun to do with my kids was play with them. I always wanted to enjoy them. And that was some of the best memories. We go back to my daughter's 28 now and she'll come back. Dad, remember you used to lasso us and you used to do this? And I'm like, yep. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Kinzu. Kinzu is built around the belief that that the majority of parents are just trying to find the right balance for technology in their families. The people at Kinzu are working hard to earn the right to be that trusted tech partner by providing apps that give kids and tweens only the best that technology has to offer without exposure to the worst of it. Kinzu thinks that the positive potential of technology is unlocked when it connects, promotes creativity, and enables the cultivation of new skills and interests. They build apps around these three pillars that kids love and parents trust. The three Kinzu apps are the Kinzu Messenger, which is an all-ages messaging platform that safely and privately connects families and friends. There is the Kinzu Together, which is an interactive video calling platform where users play games and read books on video calls. There is Kinzu Studio, which is a story builder where users learn storytelling and basic animation skills by creating characters and stories that they can export as video files. That's pretty sweet. Kinzu doesn't stop there. They actively provide thought leadership on the subject of kids and technology with their active blog, their founder's bi-weekly newsletter, The Digital Dad, and their founder's book, Screen Captured. Kinzu is flipping the script on screen time. To learn more about Kinzu, go to kinzu.com, that's K-I-N-Z-O-O.com, or just check out your device's app store and download it there. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this guy. Growing up in the, like the 80s and 90s, football was definitely king in my family. And Jim Everett is to me, even though he probably played for some of my rival teams because I'm a Niners fan, but it was great to have, you know, watching him, remembering some, uh, you know, commercials and all that good stuff. So I'm honored to have him talk a little bit about football. But of course, Fatherhood, thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Jim. How you doing? Hey, Art, I'm glad that you had a chance to tell everybody you're a 49er fan. You know, they were, you know, go back to the day. They were really, really good back then. You know, Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, I'm on his board for his deal. And, I mean, just a good group. Eddie DeBartolo, who got run out, the whole deal. But what a, what a good group that was. But it's been a long time since they got that Super Bowl championship. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, you're sitting there being a fan a long time. And, you know, it come up empty lately. Maybe this is their year, huh? You never, you never know. And I think, you know, you're a quarterback, you're a great quarterback, you know, you know, if people follow you on social media and, the, and the, you know, they see your interviews breaking down quarterbacks. Listen, I can't play in the NFL. You did. Jimmy Garoppolo did. I understand that. But I think after Steve Young, you had maybe like Gerbach, Garcia, you know, Alex Smith, uh, Kaepernick, all that stuff like you had those players, but I feel like they couldn't jump over the hump of, of actually winning the Super Bowl, right? Like, for me, like when the chief when they played the Chiefs, I was just like when he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders, I said to my wife, like, Chiefs are gonna win. She goes, But they're winning by ten. I'm like, the Chiefs came back by twenty four points <laughs> against the Texans. I'm like, ten points ain't nothing to them, right? <laughs> just like fatherhood, man. Momentum is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm telling you, you think about you go through the 49er thing, and I don't mean to like belabor on, on the football stuff, but you know, you got Kaepernick that was there. He didn't get re-signed. You got, you got uh, Gabbert that was there. And then, you know, the, so when you're not hitting, and there's a couple other number one picks that we had there that didn't hit, 
when you don't hit the quarterback position, especially in this league, it's a quarterback centric league, man, it's, it sets you back, you know, a number of years. And so, um, it's it, when you got a good one, which you guys had one in Montana and Young, those two guys, boy, I mean, Steve Young's one of my favorite human beings of all time anyways, but, uh, just it's when you got the right guys, it really makes things um, a lot better as we see on Sundays. Oh, oh, for sure. And maybe we talk a little bit about football first and we'll go into fatherhood. So just kind of going with that, man. Like, is there a separation? Are you kidding me? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, armchair quarterbacks, money morning quarterbacks, all that good stuff. We're like, well, this could happen. But like for me, you see how much, you know, I know media has definitely changed since the time you were playing to now, but. How much of like the outside noises come into a locker room? Does that play into effect at all or no? Well, let's put it this way. You know, um, I think we can look at society and it it helps. It affects us as parenting as well. When when I was first started in the league, and I'll wrap this back into parenting. When I was first in the league, we had our beat writers. um, Then you had some national writers. And then you had like three TV stations. That's it. You know, three majors. Whatever the narrative was, they pretty much dictated it. And then you better know or be buddies with one of these media guys to be able to tell your side of the story or whatever. Well, as we come through the 90s, and this is where Jim Rome and all that other stuff comes in, you start getting competition for the media dollar and the competition for the fans. And so it really got competitive with Sporting News, with uh, all these other publications. Now, now you get social media, throw that on top of it, and you, you're getting so many inputs coming in. And we're seeing that with our kids. We're seeing it with, uh, you know, our own thought processes or, you know, do we doubt what we believe? Do we all these different things? And so, yeah, it's, it's almost like it's not just been one like earthquake. It's been an evolution. And so the great part about this evolution is the voice of the person. It's, you know, you have the opportunity to speak out yourself where back in the day, maybe we didn't have Twitter to be able to say, hey, that's not what I meant. I meant this. You know, now if they believe you or not or whatever, they're more expert than you. Great. But that just comes with territory. And that's what I'll bring it in with parenting is all of our kids not only get the voices of our parents or our grandparents or our, you know, our inner circle, but the outside influence is even more Um and you don't know, it's not maybe just the crazy neighbor on the street. Now it's, you know, someone over here or a bot or whatever, you know. So it's, the challenges are are felt far before. But to answer your question, is there more noise? Hell yeah, there's more noise. But can you can you control what you want to believe and all those types of things? Yeah, you got to set your moral compass. Everything you said was I totally agree with, but I love the fact that you kind of equated the crazy neighbor on your in your neighborhood to now like a bot. That is so like that's a chef's kiss right there, man. <laughs> and you don't know who's behind them, you know. I mean, you don't know what they're. Everyone has motives, right? And you're like, well, what's your motive? And you know, it might not even be what you're thinking about. But that's today's world, and we got to figure out what's what's real, what's not. And it does influence families, it influences teams, it influences corporations, it, it, it incorporates, you know, your marketing dollar. Yeah. I mean, you see, you know, was it that one, there was a pharmaceutical company that got like, like had to cancel a couple of deals because someone talked about like the price of insulin and it was like, wait, what? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. No, there's um, a lot more information floating around and how, what we do with it, I think is still important, which is same goes back 50 years ago. When you got information, how do you want to use it? Um, especially when it comes from our family and our kids, you know, 
I always give everybody in our family like a benefit of the doubt. And, you know, let's sit down and chat about it. Let's let's talk about it as a story rather than personalizing it as you as an individual being good, bad or something like that. Let's make the story the issue, not us. Wait, wait, Chip, you wait, you you trying to use common sense now? What are you doing? <laughs> hey, is, 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 speaking of common sense, is that digital too right now? Can we, can we digitize that sense? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, let's kind of go back into into parenting as well. Uh, take me back when you found out you were going to be a dad for the first time. What was going through your mind, man? Oh my gosh! So, all right, I've I've been married a couple times, so I had kids, and so I can I can kind of tell you about you know the, the kids. But my first child, Alexa, um, my oldest daughter, it was um, you know it was. We were in Vegas. Uh, I had just been traded from the Rams to New Orleans. And I'm in Vegas, and my daughter is 7 pounds, 11 ounces, and 21 inches long. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty good for Vegas. But let's go through my mind. It was just a blessing. It was uh, – I just couldn't believe it after family was an a issue or a good – solid basis in our whole upbringing and my parents were both educators and now I have my own child and and my dad always said hey if you want to do things different than, than us you just screw it up your way so that's what we did <laughs> <laughs> nice hard work and dedication has got to be in your DNA obviously to get where you are in the NFL and obviously every all your different ventures now but you know, before I put more values or speak more words for you, uh, talk a little about the values you you were looking to instill into them as your kids were growing up. You know, I, I, first of all, you know, I know some other parents are probably watching this, and it's it's okay if we mess up, you know, because we're all going to do it. There's no there's no rule book, you know. This is in the hundred yard field. It's 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 you know, you kind of have the rules of the game. Let's re respect each other and let's let's do these things, but. I don't know. It was it was the value I wanted them to be is I wanted to be the contributing pieces to society, whatever that means. Um, you know, the artist is as good as the engineer. It's as good as the it's just a different it's a different fingerprint for each one of them. And so each one of my kids are so different. I have I have three and then I've got uh, I've got uh, step kids. Those are some challenges as well because of the loyalties and stuff. And we can get into those dynamics, but and they're not easy either. But uh, I just want to be each one of my kids looked at as an individual and somehow what is going to be your way you get to contribute to society and how can I help that? And so that's kind of where I went with it. Perfect, man. And I love the fact that you look through the forest of the trees and be like, not everyone's going to be the same and everyone's going to contribute their different way. And that would, you know, that's kind of what brings AKA the melting pot, right? Especially that, mm -hmm. you know, this country is like trying to promote, right? Just everyone plays their part. And the fact that you want everybody to like, you know, be individual. I like that. Um, what is something that your kids either have taught you about yourself that you learned, like a lesson learned from your kids or about life that you wouldn't mind sharing with me? Oh, specific on, on what question, but I know that as, as parenting that I, I didn't realize I had as much patience as I thought. I mean, it was like it, every bit of testing as far as, you know, you know, you kind of go through cycles when you're going through it. I mean, raising a, a one-year-old is different than raising a five-year-old, raising, you know, now they're 18, 28, whatever. Now I get to just play with their kids, which is <laughs> even better. So I'm a grandparent of two. Nice. Uh, I love that role. I'm telling you, that's, that's all good. But they taught me that, um, Love is unconditional. I mean, I had that with my parents, but, you know, as a kid, you're, I don't know if you're mature enough to ever really just know it until you know it. And so when it finally dawned on me, I was like, I mean, I really love my parents, and they love me no matter what I did. 
Um, they might not like my behavior, but they, they love me as the person. And then to be able to reciprocate that. One of the things I always thought that was fun to do with my kids was play with them. I always wanted to enjoy them. And that was some of the best memories. We go back my daughter's 28 now and she'll come back. Dad, remember when you used to lasso us and you used to do this? And I'm like, yep. And uh, I just think enjoying kids as being, uh, but also you have to be their leader as well. So there's a fine line, but I, I thought, either games or whatever. I wanted, I wanted them to have a spirit of play. And uh, they taught me that. And they taught me that, you know, that I didn't have to win everything, even though maybe that's how I, I, my DNA was set. And so, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of fun being able to teach that. Love that. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, just a lot of great things you even, you know, had the idea of, you know, talking about patience, but also playing with them. I think that usually I ask like, you know, what's the piece of advice you have for new dads? So I think a lot of things you're saying um, people can take away because, you know, in a lot of new dads to be, it will be like, Hey, I just found your podcast and all this other stuff. And I like that one question. So I feel like you answered that, you know, you mentioned, you know, co-parenting and all that talk a little bit about, you know, instead of advice for new dads, but maybe for someone who might be, having you know stepkids or going to be co-parenting what is a piece of advice you'd offer to them yeah that's that's a that's a that's a good insight that you had there and ain't one i like to say to all your listeners um, the fact that you're here even you know thinking about trying to improve fatherhood i think is a great step i mean because we can all learn um like i said my parents were both educators and there's not a day i'm not going to be on this planet learning something and so i try to find out what i learned new today and it might be something trivial it might be something so kudos to you guys for tuning in. Uh, hopefully we pick something up. Now, the question was about stepchildren and the challenges with that, because there's a natural built in loyalty between their two natural parents. And then all of a sudden you're in the picture and then you've got these other dynamics where, you know, can you can you parent? Can you say this? Can Are you going to treat them the same? And I try to treat all my kids the same. And, and to me, that's the the best way you can do it. You have to have respect for um, you know, another party that's involved and respect for their other parent that's not maybe in the picture or is, you know, not available at that point. So, man, it um, just, uh, it's almost sometimes it feels like you're walking on eggs. I'll be honest. There's times when you have to just say, hey, who am I? This is what I would do. This is where I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to treat you just like I treated, you know, my my blood or whatever, because you're my blood. And once you get to that point, then everybody, and they, they truly 100% believe it and know it, and so do you. Then it's then it's they're your kid. Appreciate your honesty, and I know a lot of people uh, will take that advice to heart. Thank you very much. And you know, we were talking a little bit about you know the 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 melting of you know football and fatherhood, right? Did you guys talk about fatherhood? And in the, in the, obviously, you're there to do a job. I get that. You guys got so much stuff to do, not just on Sundays. But did you guys kind of the fatherhood uh, was it was fatherhood a topic in the locker room? Um, I think family was because you had different, you know, like when you're in any melting pot, you have guys, uh, you've got single guys, you've got, uh, you know, uh, all the, all the realm of guys that are married with kids, guys are just getting married. I mean, all the different realms. So yeah, there was more, I think there was more, maybe, you know, in any group, there would be a click of more of the married guys, more of the single guys. Um, some of the married guys would want to hang out with the single guys, but we <laughs> You know, I, their wives wouldn't let them. But anyways, on, on that part, they're, 
all those different dynamics. But you know, when you just, when you had family time at, at an NFL scene, that was always a cool thing. You know, the kids coming around, you get to see. I got to see Jackie Slater's kids, and now are playing in the NFL and the whole deal. And and uh, now Dennis Harris kids, and now they're doctors, orthopedics, and doing all this. It's it's fun to, you know have like you know you're like uncle jim to them you know it's like now it's 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 cool because they're part of the family and that's that's kind of kind of a cool part nice and i think you know your outlook on life not just in football but just in fatherhood and just life in general i feel like when people are in a locker room especially you know when i talk to former nfl athletes they say that it is so great like if you if this country or this world could be more like an nfl locker room because you get a chance to like see people from different backgrounds because you are immediately having one purpose to win, right. To be successful. You will be like, Oh, I didn't really know that about you. Explain more. Right. Like, so locker room, a football locker room is a great way to learn about just people in the world in general. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, Hey, number one, you've got a group of people there for one common, common cause and that's either, you know, to win and to, to get a championship. But there, I go, I say all the time, I mean, I, I would have never, if I would have lived in my own bubble or whatever that might be, and it seems like we have more bubbles that go on. But all of a sudden, when you have exposure, I mean, I was from New Mexico. I never, I never knew inner city guys from Detroit. I never really had that opportunity. But now I get a chance to meet them, appreciate them. And now I can call my best friends, uh, Donald Anderson with over at Purdue was, was like, wow, like I didn't even hardly understand him when I first met him, but now I get him. And so, or I uh, had a chance to meet guys from Florida. Um, I didn't understand why they put gold on their teeth. Now I get it, you know, and the whole, the whole deal. And it was, it was, it was exposure and it was acceptance. And they accepted me for all my whiteness and I accepted them for all their stuff. And I'm like, all right, hey, I, I never, I never knew all this growing up. So, don't kill me for it, but let me let's let's figure out where we all go together. And that's how that's how the locker rooms are. And I'd love to see people more like that. Be more, can we be more accepting, more loving, be more peaceful? Well said, man. And you know, you mentioned Purdue. What was the transition like? Because I feel like everyone has you know their own hurdles or just their own experiences, right? So you went to play in Purdue, prestigious college, you know, football program. Then to the NFL, where you know, my my I got my family into fantasy football, and my youngest was like, "Hey, what do you think? Uh, like, there'd be college fantasy football because like all of a sudden, like they're into like my youngest is always into football, but my my oldest daughter and my wife are like, yeah, whatever. But now they're like, like Cooper Cup. My wife had Cooper Cup. I'm like, you know, he went down for a, you know yeah. injury, and she's like, oh, like he would always be giving me the most points. I'm like, yeah, because he's a legit player and all that good stuff. And she loved the fact that she was drafting because we did like with an, uh, another. Uh, family right down our street and when we were all drafting together i'd be like oh you took this person she goes haha and so it was great but like <laughs> yeah we're sorry i kind of went off on a, on a little tangent but we were talking my youngest and i jordan and i were talking about like college football fantasy i'm like well you have so many different divisions so many players it'd be crazy to like put them all into a group so you know where i'm going with this is like you know college you have so many different colleges but then nfl you have a certain amount of teams and obviously you got to be the one percent of the best in the end of in in, you know in in football to get there what was the biggest transition for you from purdue to the nfl 
I, I I'll, let me reflect what I just heard. A family that plays together stays together. So I love what you're doing on that part of it. As right. far as the other part, you said fantasy football for college. You know the research you'd have to do for uh, you know uh, how many how many teams are you going to have? And you go, I want I want the who BYU's passing the heck out of. It. I want that passer. I want this runner down. And I mean the research <laughs> would be incredible. But uh, your your talent pool. I don't ever think you'd have to worry about a free agent. All right. But, yeah, right. So it's a good point right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your waiver wire would be just stock full all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're getting serious now what was your question you are i was listening to your first part <laughs> no worries just like the transition from purdue to the nfl what was like the biggest transition or biggest hurdle for you uh time time was the biggest one because when you're in college and i went to purdue and and matter of fact heading back there this weekend and they've got you know you've got your schedule you got your school you've got everything every minute planned you've got this you've got that and we had a really, really sophisticated offense. Then all of a sudden I go to the pros and it's like, you still have all the meetings and stuff, but you don't have that oversight like we had in college. And I'm not sure if it's like that now with, with all the, we had meetings after meetings. There was one time we had uh, during spring or uh, two days, we had three practices a day. We had one in the morning, one in the afternoon and a, and a seven on seven at night. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so nowadays they only have one and barely a bad. So the difference was is time for the pro. What are you going to do with that other time? And so now they have all the electronic devices that they can they can study. They can they have all their stuff there. We had to go in for film. We didn't really have all the mobile devices that they had to be able to sit in your own living room. I had to take stacks of tapes, tapes home and play them on my VCR, which wasn't as good as the you know, yeah, I said tapes. I don't know if you guys. No, yeah, listen. I hear you. No, like there's a certain generation that doesn't know the phrase "be kind, rewind," right? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, the technology is so much better now that they can they can be way more efficient. The film is broken down, and that's one of the things I look about it now is we had to break down reels and you'd have to go through all like third and six to eight film. Now they have them broken down in games. They can get to them immediately and they have all the statistics uh, just spit out. I mean, we were, we were, I'm kind of a numbers guy anyways. And I saw the evolution of that. And now with PFF, what they're doing and the grading and all this stuff, it's just phenomenal um, what's going on in this league statistics wise. And I used to love that. And that, that gives you an advantage. Um, but I'm going to say, going back to your original question, what was the biggest thing? Time. How are you going to use that? Free time and work time. And some guys are are definitely more disciplined than others. True, true. And you see, the, and you see that uh, unfold on, on the field, right? Because they, they, I mean, there is some chance and some luck here and there. But mostly, if you're prepared, right, you're gonna you're gonna see this, the success on the field. You know, you mentioned from like the time you're playing to now, are you happy with the evolution? I know that some people like, especially yourself and offensive, you know, minded people and statistics be like, man, if I could play right now, a little more protection on the quarterback. Oh, but. Well, it, it, we, we play, excuse the term, but back when we played the quarterback, they wanted to take us out. It was it, other teams to try to beat another team. If they could take out their number one QB, that was job number one. And so they were, you know, they, we didn't have all this protect the knees, protect the head, protect. They were just like, I mean, I, I knew one defensive coach. If you ever threw a pick, they had all four defensive linemen ch- trying to trying to hit the quarterback in certain ways. And uh, <laughs> it was just a different game. Yeah. And we survived. I mean, I was sitting there looking at I'm sitting there going through the statistics, and I'm going, 
man, Tom Brady's thrown like a hundred thousand yards and he's played in, I don't know, 600 games or whatever, whatever the number was like, we couldn't, we couldn't play more than 160 games. And I mean, I've got four new body parts and I don't nowadays, I mean, I'm sure that everyone has their stuff when they get older play or not, but man, there's no way that they could, I could survive 600 games with the way we play. There's no way. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned like, just, I love it. I love the changes. Don't get me wrong. I do like the changes. So I, I appreciate that for, especially but if, that. But if someone goes on YouTube and checks like, you know, uh, 80s and 90s hits to the quarterback. I remember, was it the Green Bay Packer? I forgot his name. But, like, after Jim McMahon threw the ball, he just took him and, like, just threw him on the ground in Soldier Field. And, like, that that was, like, quote-unquote AstroTurf with, like, a little bit of cushion and all cement, right? <laughs> well, even if it had cushion, if it was under 32 degrees, it was hard. <laughs> it was like it was like playing in your living room on or, or maybe your garage if you had you know the, the indoor outdoor carpet that's basically what it was like the um the the turf today like you know with the pellets and all that other stuff for you would i'm guessing you've been on those fields and stuff like that but like do you like natural grass is the best way or what what, what would you have preferred you know this has been an argument going all the way back to before i got in the league and i got the league in 86 they're, they have studies on grass and they have studies on turf. Now, field, field turf was supposed to be a, 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 a better than the, than the carpet turf. I get that. And there was some studies. But now with, with, uh, with grass, I don't see why the whole NFL doesn't go to grass. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if, if, if I'm spending 30, 40, 50 million a year for some of my assets to play on my team, I, I'm going to pay something for some grass to help protect them. And I know there's different studies out that says it's indifferent or this or that and, and Purdue's a grass field. And there's guys that get hurt on Purdue. I mean, I get that. That's, that's, it's a contact, it's a big boy contact sport. Um, but the fact that you have ACLs going out when no one's even hitting you and this and that is pretty rare on grass. It still does happen. And they still say it can statistically have something this and that, but, we as players all know we would prefer to play on grass. All of us would. I mean, I don't know hardly any guys that, oh, yeah, I want to play on turf. I don't – it's the NFL statistics and this and that that are saying, oh, no, it's it's equitable. And they've, they've been doing that for 40 years. I just don't believe it. I still don't believe it, and I would prefer grass. Right. Thank you very much. Two more questions before I finish off with the fatherhood quick five. For you, you know, looking back at your career, was there a season, a game, or just – couple of seasons that you're most proud of just because of like what you and your teammates and coaches and all the staff were trying to accomplish. And it just, not only maybe the accomplish, but the fun you guys were having. And it just felt like you guys were like 10 year old, 12 year old kids playing in the backyard. Yeah. There's, 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 there's a couple things. And I'll say this for you, Art. There was, I always loved beating the 49ers. (laughs) Always loved beating the Giants. Always loved beating the Cowboys. And I don't care what our record was. (laughs) <laughs> those, as a pro you got to play 14 no matter if you're you know whatever your record was but one of those three guys those names came up as like you're gonna get my best game and it's just something about it it's like you know you're playing whatever but i'd say record wise early in my in my career from 86 to 89 was our most winning seasons and we had the 87 strike, which was crazy. Our strike team lost our games for us and kicked us out of the playoffs. But we really were on a roll. We were a close team. Um, 
you know, like I said, we were playing against the 49ers who they had a really good squad, but we did, we did as well. And we matched up well with them. They matched up well with everybody. Um, I would say the 89 season, um, we came back. One of the games I'll never forget is we were down by 14 points against New Orleans. It's four minutes, four, four minutes and one seconds left. And we came back and won that game. So, I mean, I look at this stuff and I was like, like, uh, there was a game in 92 where we played Tampa Bay. We were down at 28 to three at half, came back and won that game. There's just things like that that I could relate to parenting or fatherhood or just life in general is that you don't give up. You know, even when things look grim, look, uh, uh, you know, like you're in the deepest hole, there's somehow that, you know, God gives us that little little light and that keep believing and keep doing doing stuff. You might have to alter what you're doing a little bit to, to climb out of the hole. Of course, you know, you have to change your game plan sometimes, but don't be afraid to. And then and then attack it and it'll work out. Nice. You just you just kind of made me think of another question about like, you know, coming back. So you see the game differently than maybe normal fans, right? Because you played it and you're a quarterback and see it. So you're talking about the comeback, right? And you mentioned Tom Brady earlier. The Falcons um, Patriots, you know, oh, you're watching that thing, right? 28 yeah. to three. There, you know, you look at the Buffalo Bills and uh, was it the Oilers when, you know, Frank Reich brought them back that, you know, in the nineties and stuff. But like when you're watching a game and, you know, I can say, or, you know, fan A or B can say like, oh, momentum, look, that's like momentum for you. Do you kind of see before maybe everyone else sees like, this team's coming back. Like, do you ever, like, do you see that? Like, and maybe not the Super Bowl with the Falcons and, and the Patriots, but, like, are there certain games like, oh, this the, the team that's winning is definitely laying their guard down, the other team's going to come back? Oh, yeah, you can you can definitely see some of the momentum changes, and so can the coaches, and so and, and that's why you see guys get amped up on the sideline and, and say, hey, hey, we got to get going, you know, whatever it might be. Let's, let's, let's match that momentum with our, with our paranoia. That's how it works. Uh, <laughs> it's like – yeah, you can see game change moments. Um, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, there's astute fans out there. I don't ever want to overlook. There's yeah. guys that really watch the game that maybe have never played the game um, that can see it just as well. But yeah, there's a there's just last week when I was uh, doing some analyst work and there was a there was a game change. It was oh the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, you know when when. Um, they decide not to kick a field goal. Um, I thought it was a blink. Um, uh, oh, Buffalo Bills and Minnesota. That game two was fourth and two. Buffalo decides to go for it. Just kick the field goal. Get up, get up 30-17. Let's keep let's keep the momentum. There's something about coaching. What it's just like parenting. Keep the momentum. You got something good. Keep rolling with it. Um, there's no reason to you know get distracted with this thing over here. Yeah. We got a bunch of good stuff going. Sometimes the analytics play too much into like going with your gut, right? Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean you you got all these gin stats now. All this information I said that was so good. Now that we're having all this information that's so good, but how do you how do you going back to your comment are of common sense? There's a there's a there's a part of common sense that you can't lose in a number, and you yeah. still have to use that as factor for your being. Yeah, I love that. And then also too, just audibles, right? Like I know that you always, you know, want to be on 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 point and on, you know, connection with your receivers, right? Was there just like how good does it feel to like, you know, you come up to the line, you're like, all right, and you just even give a nod or a like a hand gesture to like one of your wide receivers being like, Yeah, we're gonna change it up. We got this. Like how, like out of the 
games, how many times would that happen? You were like, all right, we're definitely going to get them with this play. <laughs> well, it was probably not the, – the pros do a really good job. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons why I want to say this is with the hash marks so close together – the safeties can kind of play with you a little bit. But oh, okay. so you can, it's a little bit college when they're a little wider, they have to kind of commit to whatever coverage they're going to do because of the field and the length of the field, which takes me back when you said audible. And right at time when we were at Purdue, we played Ohio State, they were totally disrespecting us, thinking that they were going to come in my junior, they were going to blitz the heck out of me. And, just, and we gashed them, and it was a black 65 call. You know, you hear Omaha. Ours was black 65. Anybody go to black, we're, we're changing it, you know. We hit Steve Griffin on three touchdowns on a black 65. Every time I looked at him, like, there they're here, they're coming. They're coming again. Black 65, boom, gash, boom, gash. And then all of a sudden, we, we beat them. Yeah, and after that game, you know, it's like, it's like you know, because we were – I was still – you know, the young establishing our, our offense. And after we beat Ohio State, that was kind of legit, you know. So it was like, all right, this is good. And the pros, they don't show it as much, but astute quarterbacks can see when it's coming. But that was one of the things that I'm seeing nowadays is the amount of different types of blitzes that they're bringing and how they're disguising them. Uh, the defense is getting really good. And if you don't have a good run game, because I can't do all that craziness when you can gash with the run game, which is advantage 49ers right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, big time, especially with CMC that they just got. And also, like, technology and all that stuff where you have the mics and all that. You're like, 52 is a mic or 57. Like, did, were you using that, like, not that terminology, but you're like, all right, so-and-so is going to be, like, the the lead or the mic. Did you guys have that back then or no? Totally, because you, you have to coordinate with um, – you know, with your offensive line, and if we're if we're turning back to 53, like you said, then we all, if I know I'm turning my line back there, then I, my back has to know that he's got the guy on the other side or, okay. you know, depending on our thing. So, yeah, we always had the communication because we wanted to know, you know, do we have the A-gaps coming or do I need to turn my line or are they going to just fan out and then the back picks up the A-gap, you know, however you want to do it. But, yeah, it's the time when you got that rookie running back in there and he hears the opposite call, and you're flat on your ass, and you look around going, I wonder why they don't start rookie running backs. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much for indulging me all these uh, football and fatherhood questions. I, could, I feel like I could talk with you all day about fatherhood and football. Oh, yeah. um, talk a little bit about – we're going to finish off with the fatherhood quick five. Favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Uh, favorite family movie. Oh, my gosh. Probably anything from Disney. I mean, I'll tell you, we were we were Disney fanatics, and so you name it, we were we're involved. I just wonder why all the Disney parents were all single. Anyways, <laughs> nice. Um, favorite band or artist you couldn't wait to you know show your kids their music. Like, do you have a favorite like musician or band? Like, hey, check this out. I was kind of into country music. I've always liked George Strait. Um, that was probably one. Where if he was around, I'm going to go. Or, um, but. Uh, yeah, something along the country line. But my kids like all sorts of different music, so I, I you know, appreciate them. They're a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more in, uh, in you know, in vogue than I am probably. Gotcha. Um, describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Uh, perfect family vacation. Probably going to see the grandparents and then heading up to the mountains and having a cabin. Nice. If they've got a jacuzzi in a cabin, that's a plus. There you go. Boom, nice. Um, name a player on the offensive side and defensive side that you really enjoy watching today. A player? Yeah. Okay. Offensive side, um, 
Gosh, man. I, I mean, I just probably witnessed one of the best catches in the world with Jefferson up in Minnesota. I mean, that, that is, I mean, I never, I mean, if I was Kirk Cousins, I'd throw it to him every down too, but I mean, <laughs> double coverage and he's pulling that down. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just became just a, a instant Jefferson fan, but I, I could say, um, I mean, I know there's so many, and there's a lot of oh, yeah. Historically, I mean, the most phenomenal guy I ever saw was Barry Sanders. I got to hand the ball off to him in a Pro Bowl. Oh, nice. I, I handed the ball off to him, right? And, and Art, there's a, there's a defensive guy right here. He just does this five-foot, eight-foot jump left and just runs like it's natural, like he's just running out of the gate, where I would have broken both my hips trying to do that. Barry Sanders, to me, was the freakiest defensive side um, – I got to say, like, 90s, though, 90s was so good. I mean, there's – listen, every era there's going to be a great player in every position. But me, I maybe for me, it's, I'm looking at it through, like, rose-colored spectacles. But, like, Walter Payton, I know he's kind of more like 80s and then 90s. Um, but, like, Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders, all of those guys were just to, like, these guys are legit. Like, and Roger Craig and all that. But, like, I just loved that era. And, like, I was – my favorite position – was running back and just to see like what they would do was phenomenal. Well, yeah, Chris Sanders pretty darn check. good too right now. I mean, with the stuff that he does, he looks like a little pinball in there. Aaron Jones, <laughs> like hey, love his work. Kamara, I love his work. There's all these different guys that are that are good. I mean, if I look back and would take the era of when they could really hit you, I mean, really hit you, there was no one like Ronnie Lott. And I'm going to tell you the reason why those 49ers had all those championships. He could give it to Joe Montana or see, it was Ronnie Lott. He was enforcer back there. He would come to us before the games and say, don't throw it over the middle. And my receivers would know. I mean, I'd throw the ball low so they could get the ball and go down. Otherwise, he takes their head off, knocks them out of the game. But that was legal then. And he was just that type of enforcer. It was a different – I mean, you had to throw your receiver safe, and now they don't. And so yeah. it's a little bit different um, – placement of the ball because I, I really respected my guys and wanted to have them play the rest of the game with me but they appreciate you for that Jim <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wasn't always successful at it <laughs> I really respect Ronnie Lott uh, Reggie White that type of stuff I see that stuff in Aaron Donald that what he's doing up the middle uh being current um I, there's some J- Jalen Ramsey's really good on the outside as far as corner wise uh, I just there's so there's so many good players in every era I often wonder if the Hall of Fame is really doing it justice because there's some guys that have played that might not have played for that Super Bowl winning team that were damn good. Yeah. They got they got stuck on some. Well, let's take Steve Young for example, real quick. And I don't mean to belabor this, but he was awesome. down in Tampa Bay. He was just a guy. Mm-hmm. They ended up trading him, and they put all these assets around him with San Francisco. Now he is the guy. So it's uh, it's it's the draft is a funny thing. You can be drafted to places that maybe you're you're not gonna you know be seen for a while. Watching uh, the Super Bowl, you know, celebration when they beat the Chargers, you know, back in the '90s, where you see like, take the monkey off my back, take the monkey off my, because like he was like, no more people will be like, I can't win a Super Bowl, right? So it was it, yeah. it was a cool moment. It was a great moment. I, um, I really like Steve too, by the way. Nice. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Top three words. Probably loving, uh, humble, and oh gosh, uh, probably caring. Probably be the word that I'd use. Great three words. People, make sure you follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Everett. He uh, breaks down a lot of great things, uh, and you can you know catch him out uh, on different shows and all that good stuff. But again, it's an honor to chat with you. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I wish you and your family continued success, sir. 
Hey, great art. Hey, have fun with those kids. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to thank Kinzu for sponsoring this week's Art of Fatherhood podcast. For those who have checked out my articles or podcasts, you know that I am a fan of technology, but I also want kids to be safe while using that. Kinzu is a big part of creating that safety while parents and kids can enjoy the internet. Make sure you go to kinzu.com or download the Kinzu app on your device. And again, thanks for checking out the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net to check out the latest articles, podcasts, giveaways, reviews, all that good stuff. And again, I appreciate your support and help. I'm looking to support fatherhood, support parenting, support families all over the world by having positive examples through my podcast and website. And I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.